morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's worship together, singing this old hymn of the church. I redeem.
ushers this morning to make their way this morning to take up this morning's tithes and offerings. And immediately following that, we'll jump back right into worship today. Lord, thank you today for your love, your mercy, and grace. Lord, we just love you and we glorify your name. Father, I pray you would bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that do not have to give. God, if there's someone here today who cannot give for whatever the reason may be, I pray, God, that you would bless them so at some point in time they would. God, Lord, we know there are many that are out today for various reasons. But, Lord, we are here. So, God, today we ask that you would inhabit the praises of your people. And God, you would just come down with us today. May residency with us. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you come this time as you greet one another in the Lord? Good morning. Pretty much like everybody else, I got that little hacky cough, so <coughs> excuse me if I cough. You know, this morning's Sunday school lesson was about the challenges the church faces and that Satan wants to attack us from without and from within. And so we have lots of things we've got to worry about. But David in Psalm 101 says, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. And when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart, 
I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. I shall not cleave to me. It shall not cleave to me. A forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will I not, will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. And I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Now, if David wasn't going to put up with that in his kingdom, we should put up with it in church. We need to sing mercy and judgment. We need to sing glory unto the Lord. We need to behave ourselves wisely and in a perfect way. We set no wicked thing before our eyes and hate them that won't do the work. You know, Paul said if they don't work, they don't eat. And maybe we should uh, pay attention to that sometimes. Lots of people are sick this morning. I know that uh, Henry is not feeling well. I know that James, even though he's here today, is still not feeling well. I know that uh, Sister Joanne is facing some surgery coming up in a couple weeks, is uh, trying to avoid getting sick. I think she's still coughing. Uh, we have, Pastor has a friend named Matt. His aunt is very sick, and he's asked for prayer for her. Uh, we have others that are in the church that uh, just need a touch. And so, therefore, what is our job when that comes up? Our job is to pray for them to continue to pray for him and to continue to pray for him not just here but even when we get to the house so let's go to the Lord in prayer right now thanking him for everything he's done and wishing that he will touch those that are ill kind heavenly father we do thank you and praise your holy name for what you have done Lord for touching us and being with us and lifting us up and keeping us we thank you Lord for helping us to be able to do as you would have us to do we thank you Lord, for those that are sick, I pray that you will reach out your hand today. Be by their bedside, reach down and touch them and heal them. Lord, lift them up in strength and in truth. Lord, I pray that you will be with each and every one of those we mentioned, plus the others that we haven't mentioned, Lord, that are not feeling well today. That you will be with them, lift them up, strengthen them, and keep them, Lord. They can come back and join us and be in fellowship with us, Lord, and fellowship with you. Pray you will be with our pastor today as he gives the word, Lord, that you would have <coughs> give the word that you would have us to hear, that we can carry forth and do your work. We ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. And we all said, Amen. And let's stand all over the house again.
is enough, the grace is sufficient, the cross that is spoken, death is no more, you are the Lord, that's our hope. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's our hope. All our hope is in you. All our joy, all our peace, it's in you. That's our hope. One of the last things that a man or a woman or a boy or a girl will ever lose on this side of heaven is hope. And once they lose hope, they lose the fight to live. Once hope is gone, the resolve is gone. Sure, the devil would love to instill fear. Sure, the devil would love to instill pandemonium and use scare tactics. But at the end of the day, Lord, you still are our hope. You are our hope. And Father, I pray today as we get ready to break the bread of life today for the people of God, that Lord, your word would speak, not me be heard, not my words be spoken, but your words heard and spoken. Father, I believe today you have a word for your people. And I pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people together. Said amen. 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 If you'll grab your Bibles and go to the book of Revelation, we're going to be back in chapter number five, the book of Revelation, chapter number five, again today. We're going to be picking up at verse number six today, Revelation chapter five, verse number six. Let me say while you're turning there, Brother Randy already mentioned quite a few folks that are sick and uh, Brother Henry and Sister Joanne that's still battling and, and countless others. Uh, I want to also pray for <laughs> excuse me, I want to pray for Sister April Craven and their family. They're not here today. Um, they're traveling. They're out of town this weekend. They're traveling. So there's a slew of them that are on the road uh, as we speak. And so we want to pray for their traveling mercies as they'll be coming back in later today uh, from being out of town. Uh, we want to also um, remember um, uh, Sister Brenda is here, but she just recently had a procedure done. So we want to make sure we continue to pray for her and her speedy recovery uh, as well. And there are countless others uh, that, are, that are not here. And, and you can see throughout the audience, um, those some of them had to work uh, and then some of them are, are certainly um, under the weather or not feeling well. And so there's, a, there's a, a lot of people that are out today, whether it's traveling or sick or not feeling well. Um, but we're here. And we thank the Lord for that. But we want to make sure also uh, continue to pray for uh, Brett and Vanessa Sawyer 
Uh, baby Matthew did arrive. That's why they're obviously they're not here today. She's got some a um, little bit of complications post uh, uh, the baby of, of baby Matthew with some um, nerve damage and some issues with being able to to be mobile and being able to move. Uh, and uh, is is partially disabled. Uh, um, basically, has to have assistance with help and with a walker right now. And so she's in a in a fix. But she's believing God. She's got strong faith. She's believing God for a miracle. And I said, we're going to believe God with you. And so um, I'm going to make mention uh, of them as well. And also, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a family brother and sister uh, Bradford that was with us. Um, and uh, he and his wife are not here today. But their her father-in-law. Uh, or excuse me, his father-in-law, which would be Sister Bradford's father, unexpectedly passed away, and so they're having, they had the funeral, our homegoing service uh, yesterday uh, for all of that, and had some things going on with that, and so that's why they're not here today, and they let us know, but I told them we would certainly be praying for them, it was kind of unexpected, and, um, and so we're praying for them today as well. Revelation chapter uh, number five, uh, we have been in a series called Sealed, and we're going to pick up the next part of a message we started last week. I looked and behold in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders there stood a lamb as though it had been slain. It had seven horns and seven eyes that represents power as well as knowledge which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then the lamb, he came. He took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had Taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which were the prayers of the saints of God. Can I tell you, God doesn't forget your prayers. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I, John, looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000. They were innumerable. You couldn't count them. And thousands upon thousands. And all of them in one gigantic unified chorus began to worship God with a loud voice saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. I heard them saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and forever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and they worshipped. Him who lives forever and ever. What a beautiful picture of heaven. When we get to heaven, we get to just be around the throne of God. With thousands upon thousands, ten thousands times ten thousands of people together worshiping the Lamb of God. I started a sermon with you last week that I want to pick up part two today. He's still the commander of the seals. He's the commander of the seals. Eternal Father, I pray today that you would help me preach your word today. Help me to decree and declare your words. Not my words be spoken, but your word be heard. Let every man, woman, boy, or girl, under the sound of my voice, God, hear from heaven. Let us not be hearers of the word only, but doers thereof likewise. 
Take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay that I may decree and declare your word today. For those watching online, let them feel the same spirit of God that we feel in this house today. And I will forever give you all praise and glory and honor. Let us do your name in Christ Jesus our Lord and all God's people together said amen. 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 You may be seated if you can today. We began talking last week about how the enemy of our soul, the devil, Satan himself, has done his very best to shroud the understanding of the book of Revelation, which is a complicated and challenging book. It describes the doom and the obituary of his eternal state and fate. The book of Revelation was not originally designed to be so perplexing as the name itself really means to unveil or to reveal. It was designed for us to know how the book ends. Revelation, the the actual main crux of the book of Revelation, while it can get complicated with the prophetic decrees and utterances and the uh, abomination of desolation and all of the the different things that get kind of complicated in the 70 weeks and all the the, the prophetic mathematical equations that go with it, at the end, Revelation's entire purpose was to remind us The story's not over yet. And no matter what we see right now, the story isn't finished. Revelation was designed to show us that he who begins a good work is the same one that's going to complete the work he starts. Genesis tells us how he started it. Revelation tells us how he's finishing it. Genesis tells us how he formed and he fashioned and he knit us together in our mother's womb and he, and he called us out of the dust of the earth and with the dust of the earth he formed and he fashioned and he made man a living soul. Revelation tells us he comes back for that which he created to be in perfect harmony and unity with him forevermore. Genesis tells us that in the cool of the day God would show up and he would walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve and he would talk to them as a man talks to a friend and they would have conversation and they would have relation and and community with each other and Revelation tells us that's what we're going to do in heaven forever he's going to come back for us so that we forever walk in his presence we forever have communication with him and we forever will enjoy the pleasures at his right hand Genesis tells us That God from the foundation of earth realized that we were in a helpless state. We were in a sin-sickened state. And we messed up. Adam and Eve fell from the garden. We, we find in, Revel- uh, in, in Genesis that, that man is, is a fallen creature or has fallacies because of the work of the enemy. But the Bible tells us that God in his providential love and mercy and grace. He provided a, a sacrifice if you will. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they had sewn fig leaves together to cover up their nakedness. And God point blank asked them, who told you you were naked? And they said, well, you know, we just felt it. And he said, you ate of the tree, didn't you? And they they had to come clean. But in God's love and mercy, even though he had to curse the ground for the men to walk, to have to to work by the sweat of their brow, and, and he cursed the woman in terms of pain and childbearing and labor of having children, and he cursed the serpent to crawl on his belly. Even in all of his prophetic cursings and having to answer the consequences of sin, God was still merciful enough that even though he had to make sure there was a a punishment or a consequence for actions and sin. Do you, do you still believe that actions have consequences? And, and God had to, had to do a, a punishment, if you will. But in His mercy, He still provided for them. Because the Bible said He slew an animal. And as the blood began to trickle and be absorbed into the pores of the ground, 
He took the skins of those animals and he gave them better clothing for warmth and protection. That blood of that animal made an atonement for Adam and Eve in that moment. And, and it started a trajectory, a journey throughout that we follow out throughout the Mosaic time period. And, and, and tonight we'll continue our series on the tabernacle. And, and as we continue through this series over the next couple, uh, 11 or 12 weeks, you'll, you'll understand more about the sacrifices. But, but as, after that Adam and Eve initiation from the rest of time, there was these sacrifices that had to be constantly brought to the high priest. And they would bring rams and they would bring lambs. And, and on the day of atonement, they would bring these, uns, uh, these spotless lambs, these unblemished lambs. Uh, and, and when the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt at the, and God was going to do the, the final plague or the final Passover of Egypt, he said, take a ram, that, I mean a lamb that was one year old without spot or blemish, purified in all forms, slay it, take the blood and smear it over the three posts of the doorpost on the two sides and the lentil piece across the top you know why it was three because God's a triune God God the Father will cover you God the Son will cover you and God the Holy Spirit will cover you and when you make when you look at a door jam it has the two sides and the top it all connects these two go vertically and one goes horizontally God said I'll make sure that you and I are okay vertically and the Spirit of God and Jesus Christ when he comes to Calvary he'll make sure horizontally we got this thing correct too God made sure we were vertically correct and Jesus Christ made sure horizontally as far as the east is from the west your sins will be cast into the sea of forgetfulness and that lamb was sacrificed and that blood and they went through the Mosaic covenant but oh in Revelation it tells us there was a lamb of God that came as a newborn baby uh, Mary had a little lamb his fleece was white as snow oh yeah that's a cute nursery rhyme but can I tell you before the nursery rhyme there was a virgin girl by the name of Mary that had a little lamb on the backside of a Bethlehem Judean stable and he died on Calvary's cross but as his blood seeped down the pores of the wood and begin to soak up into the foundations of the ground and as God turned his face to not look upon the sin and guilt the Bible said with one final breath he decried it is finished I've paid the price and so that's why in Revelation chapter 5 he can walk to the throne room of God and he can grab the scroll out of the right hand of God and he can say I am worthy to break the seal for humanity Genesis tells us that we had an enemy of our soul, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren, the devil that came into the garden. He sowed discord, he sowed doubt, he sowed disunity, and he corrupted man's perfect state. Revelation tells us that there's coming a time where he's going to be bound for a thousand years into an abominable abyss, abyss and we will rule and reign with Christ Jesus but when it's all said and done and he's finally released that Jesus Christ himself will curse him to hell to never be able to do anything ever again he will be in an eternal fire forevermore but you and I will be in a new Jerusalem heaven will come down and there will be a new Jerusalem a new heaven and a new earth for the former things the former heaven and the former earth are all passed away and we will see God in all his majestic splendor and we'll see the resilient and the resplendent view of Jesus Christ but the devil will not be able to accuse us anymore the devil will not be able to taint us anymore the devil will not be able to tempt us anymore in Genesis he tried to stop it but in Revelation God ends it in Genesis he tries to mess it up in Revelation God sets it up I'm telling you we still have to realize though that Revelation may be complicated all you need to know is in the end we win that's all you need to know about the whole book of Revelation in the end we win we win. 
God will have a triumphant church. God will have a victorious church. God will have a redeemed people. And that's why the psalmist David said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If God found you, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If God saved you, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If God's brought healing in your body, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If God's brought a financial miracle, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why? Because he who begins a good work is faithful to complete the work until the day of his return. I'm longing for the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. I'm listening for the trump of God to sound and the dead in Christ to rise. But we which are alive and remain to be called up in the clouds of glory, so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm ready, church. If he called today, if the road up, up, up yonder was called today, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to leave this place. I'm ready to see the one who's still the commander of the seals. The commander of the seals. Here's the reality of this. We talked about there was a dreadful wickedness of humanity. And how there was sin. We talked about that last week. We still live in that society today. We also talked about the dominant worthiness. Or began to talk about the dominant worthiness of Christ. Only Jesus was worthy. We brought the seat into the center of the auditorium last week. And we made the illustration to you. That if you don't let Jesus sit on the throne of your heart. Somebody else will. Somebody's going to fill the seat. Somebody's going to fill the void. And I want to pick up right here on the second part of the dominant worthiness of Christ. One of the things we have to learn to understand about the dominant worthiness of Christ is the power of the Lamb. We talked about He was the Lion from the tribe of Judah, the Root of David. Seven horns in verse 6 represented power. The seven eyes represented knowledge. We also have to understand the position of the Lamb. He was in the midst of the throne. We also talked about briefly the prerogative of the Lamb. Why was he worthy when no one else was worthy? Well, you have to go all the way back to creation. You have to go back from the start of it all. Revelation 4 and 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they were created. Now, there's an old praise chorus we sing around here. Basically, it's the exact words. Thou art worthy, O Lord, for thy pleasure things were created. You created all things. John 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus Christ. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him, anything that, has made, anything that was made was made by Him. Jesus was there from the start of the story. Amen. Colossians 1.16 For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. You say, well, Pastor, that's what Revelation said too. And that's what John said too. Yeah, you should, you should start picking up on a theme. If God keeps saying through the words of His scriptures and through the hands of men that, that were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, if He keeps reminding us He started it all, He finishes it all, and He made it all, and He knows how it works. He's Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. There's no in-between. Creation speaks of his dominant worthiness. Why else is he worthy? Because not only does the Bible talk about his dominance in creation, it talks about his ability to be the conqueror. Revelation 5 and 5, And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. 
Colossians 2 and 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he slew, all, slew them all openly, triumphantly over them all. Romans 5, 19. For as by one man's disobedient men, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one man, so shall there be righteous men. I'm telling you what Adam screwed up, Jesus rectified. He conquered it all. Isaiah 53 and 4. Surely this lamb has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He did it all. What no one else could do, he did. He did. That's why he's worthy. Creation says he's worthy. He's a conqueror, it says he's worthy. But Calvary says he's worthy. John 19 and 30 says this. The lamb who was sacrificed at Calvary says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said with a loud voice, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. No, 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 no. People say, well, Jesus died. Yes, he did. But he not only died in the physical sense, but he took my sin and he killed it. He took my shame and he killed it. He took my sorrow and he buried it. He took my hurt and he slayed it. He took my shortcomings and he, 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 and he conquered it. When he got into the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and he laid there for three days, all world, all of hell was shouting, look, we got him. We got him. Oh, Pastor Jonathan, you're going to be a sinner for the rest of your life. Look, God couldn't save someone like you. We even killed the Son of God. My King, God can't find you. We took Jesus down. Who do you think you are? But on that third day, the Bible said the rule of the Holy Spirit of God transcended time and space, walked down into a dark clothes, dark tomb. Can I tell you, I don't want to preach Easter's message already, but I can already tell you what Easter Sunday is going to be. Easter Sunday's title is this, unsealed. I'm telling you that Pilate can put a seal on the door, but only heaven can open the door. Heaven's the only one that opens the door. Easter Sunday, you'll hear me preach a message called Unsealed. You know, if you know anything about it, the Bible tells us the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Pilate. And they said to him, we've heard the rumor that his disciples may try to do something. We just feel like they might try to stir up trouble. And Pilate gives them his ring to seal it, to stamp it, that it's the property of the Roman government. And he gave them soldiers. And I'm going to tell you right now, no matter how hard the devil tries to seal it, there's one who breaks seals. The devil might have sealed your fate a long time ago, but I come to tell you there's a God above heaven and earth that can unbreak the seal the devil's put on your life. Oh, oh, pastor, you don't understand. God sealed me for divorce. God is a redeemer of time. That the year and the, length, the canker worm and the lotus worm is taken from you. God's a redeemer of time. Pastor, you don't understand. The devil has stamped my finances. My God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's never seen his righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. Well, pastor, you don't understand my job. There's no way out of it. The Bible tells me that if God be for me, who can be against me? Well, you don't understand, pastor. The devil has put a seal on my life telling me that I'm a nobody 
and I'm worthless and I'll never amount to anything. The Bible says I am fearfully and wonderfully made from the foundations. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He knew me. Well, pastor, you don't understand. The devil's told me that I, I that God can't forgive a sinner like me. The Bible said let all men that have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, if they believe with their heart and confess with their mouth that he is Christ the Lord, he will eradicate everything. I'm telling you today, the devil can put any seal on your life he wants to, but there's lamb of God that still breaks every seal, every bond, every yoke. There's a breaker of the seal. A breaker of the seal. Calvary tells me he's worthy. The soldiers are sitting at the bottom of a cross. They're rolling dice, casting lots for his garments. They've mocked him. They've plucked his beard. They've beat his brow. They've made a false representation of his deity by putting a crown of thorns on his head. They've humiliated him before everyone. Scores of people around are yelling, if you are the Christ, save yourselves. Come out on that cross, then we'll believe you. And I tell you, Jesus doesn't have to prove himself to anyone. He is not a puppet on a string to be micromanaged by your whims. He owes you nothing, and he doesn't have to prove to you nothing. Because as the Bible tells me in Revelation, there's going to come a time when I stand before the throne room of God. And I'm not worthy, Brother Jimmy, to stand there. And there's going to be thousands upon thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousands worshiping the Lamb of God. But Sister Brenda, I'm... I'm going to hear the next, Jonathan Vaughn, next please. And as I slowly start making my way to the Bema seat of Christ. See, I'm not going to the great white throne judgment. That's for all them people that's going to go to hell. I ain't headed there. If you want to go to the great white throne judgment, well, you go on to hell and tell the devil I said hi when you get there, okay? But I'm going to the Bema seat where Christ tells me that I made it. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. I may not have a lot of crowns and I may not have a lot of stars, but I don't care if I barely make it by the skin of my teeth. I'm getting in the gate with or without anybody. I'm getting in the gate. I feel like Charlie and Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. I'm just looking for one golden ticket and I'll kill you if you try to take my ticket. I'm getting my golden ticket and I'm getting through the gate. The rest of y'all do what you want, but I'm getting my ticket and going. The Bible says every man, though, has the opportunity to have that ticket. The Bible said all we have to do is believe in Jesus Christ, and the ticket is already signed, sealed, and delivered. It's yours. It's already signed, sealed, and delivered. It's stamped by heaven's portals given to us. But I I want you to understand that in the midst of all of this, Jesus is humiliated. Crowds of people don't believe him. That sounds like today. People still humiliate his name. Defame him. But there's going to come a day I'm going to walk into heaven's portals in the spirit or in a physical glorified body if God returns before I die. And I'm going to stand there. And in the midst of that beam of seat, Brother James, there's going to be a bright light. And there's going to be a royal diadem of multiple colors that's going to be the backdrop, the scope of this throne. That, Like almost, if you will, a rainbow-esque picture with bright colors of emeralds and sapphires. Ezekiel described it. It was like seeing a wheel within a wheel. It was like seeing something you can't explain. 
I'm going to hear the chorus of thousands upon thousands, ten thousands times ten thousands worshiping God. And I'm going to stand there in front of him. Oh, and the devil might want to come like he did for Brother Job to God and say, Well, God, do you know anything about this man? You know what he did on that earth? You know the time that he got mad at somebody at church after a church business meeting. He snipped him off. He was hungry and tired and irritable. Remember that time he mistreated his wife and embarrassed her in public? Remember that time he got snippy in the Walmart line? God, you, you really know anything about this man? The devil can make his case all he wants to. And unfortunately, I may have to stand there and look to God and say, I'm guilty on all those charges. Am I a perfect husband? No, I'm not. Am I a perfect pastor? No, I'm not. Am I a perfect father? No, I'm not. And my son will tell you I'm not. My wife will tell you I'm not perfect either. I was hoping she'd have children's church, so when I preached this message, she wouldn't hear it. <laughs> Am I a perfect basketball coach or perfect person? No, I'm not. And if I stand before God and the devil says all of those things, I may, Brother Mike, have to bow my head in shame and say, when God looks at me, what do you have to say? I may have to say I'm guilty of those charges. I can't deny them. I'm standing before a holy God. I can't deny them. I, I, I'm guilty. And right before the Supreme Court of heaven the Supreme Court Justice of Heaven gets ready to bang the gavel to sentence my fate. And the devil gets that wry smile on his eyes. I got him. Out from the back of that diadem backdrop of emerald colors. With a voice that booms like thunder. And a tongue that pierced like a sword. One will say, but I have something to say on their behalf. All of the things that says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, all of a sudden it gets deathly silent. Because all of heaven has heard that voice boom before. It's the same voice that said, let there be light. And there was light. And out from among the shadows in the backdrop of that beautiful rainbow-esque picture, there'll be a booming voice that says, I have something to say. And out of the midst of the throne, there will walk one that has blood-stained hands. Scars in the palms of his hands or in the crevices of his wrists. They'll be on a, a royal vestal of royal regalia, but on one side they'll be embroidered king of kings. And on the other side we'll say lord of lords. And in that moment he will slowly walk from behind sacred throne and he will stand beside me he'll turn his face to the judge and look to the accuser the prosecutor and he'll say unfortunately this client that stands before you today he is guilty but I happen to be his defense attorney in fact, in all my years of practicing law, I haven't lost yet. And I don't plan on starting today.
on all the charges that have been brought against my client, they are all true. However, Your Honor, according to your law, your decree, there was an opportunity to drop charges. There was an opportunity to purge the case. There was an opportunity to expunge the record. I've come by today to offer this court a plea of mercy and grace. And while my client is guilty, I'm going to plead no contest or not guilty because I'm going to stand on their behalf. Now to my accuser over here of his life, I want to take you back to a hillside in Judea at Calvary. When I looked down from the portals of a cross hanging high between heaven and earth, and when I looked down, the soldiers thought I was looking at them. And the crowd thought I was looking at them when I said, it is finished. And my mother, Mary, was standing there bawling, thinking I was looking at her, realizing I was about to give it. But what they didn't know is that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spiritual wickedness and forces in high places. I looked past the soldier casting the lots. I looked through my mother's uh, bleeding eyes of, of tears that were flowing. And I looked you devil straight in the face in hell. And I reminded you right then and there. When I say these next three words, it's done. And devil, I want to remind you in this court to be reminded when I said it is finished, heaven thundered, lightning flashed. Darkness covered the earth. The earth trembled. Graves opened up. Dead people got up. But while everybody thought I was on a three-day hiatus, I wasn't in the tomb at all. Oh, my body was in the tomb. But according to the words of my father, I transcended it. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Because I descended into the portals of hell, and for three days you and I had a conversation. And what I did is I walked down there, and I knocked on the door of hell's front door and when one of your little demon imps opened up the door and he said oh my god what are you doing here I said I'm not here to talk to you I'm here to talk to your boss get out of my way and I pushed him right beside me I walked through see devil what you don't remember is I'm accustomed to walking through fires when you tried to throw my children in the middle of a blazing furnace and the the, uh, the Hebrew boys in the middle of a blazing furnace under the Nebuchadnezzar rule what you didn't realize is I was already in the fire fire does not bother me devil and so I walked right on through hell they it was blazing with fire and everything was roaring but I walked right onto your main corridors of your room and I opened up the door and I said I want the keys to death I want the keys to hell I want the keys to the grave and I just want to let you know everything that you've bound on earth shall be bound in heaven and everything that I loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven and you may have tried to hold these people down long enough but I've come to set them free I've come to proclaim liberty and set the captive free and during that three day hiatus I took the keys and I walked myself right back up to earth and I laid myself right back down into a borrowed tomb and I let the spirit of almighty God breathe life back into me so that everybody on earth understood devil has no hold on the grave the devil has no hold on my life I've come to make it known to everybody in this room your honor that I did what was accomplished on Calvary it makes me qualified to say Jesus drops the charge All charges are dropped and dismissed.
when Jesus says those words, that's my defense. The judge of heaven stands up from behind his sacred lectern. He pounds his gavel. And he looks the devil in the eyes, Brother Jimmy, and he says, In the case of the devil versus Jonathan Vaughn, this case I am ruling all charges to be dropped effective immediately. Case dismissed. That's it. It's done. That's what makes him worthy. That's what makes him worthy to break the seals. He's the only one that can drop the charges. But then what happens, Pastor? What happens after all that? Oh, I'm glad you asked because we all get to celebrate in the next part of this story. There is a delightful worship of all creation around his throne. As soon as Jesus drops the charges, the Bible lets us know there was worship around the throne. It says in Revelation chapter 5. And verse 11, then I look and I heard the voice of many living creatures, elders, the numbers of them, ten times, ten thousand. They all were singing, holy is the Lord, worthy is the Lamb. They all began to worship Him. You say, well, pastor, the angels are already doing it. Yes, they are. There are already seraphims and cherubims already doing it. Yes, they are. The Bible tells us we have a song that the angels cannot sing. And heaven might have been singing songs for millions of years, thousands of years before our arrival. But there's still one song they haven't sung yet. They might have sang, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy to receive glory, worthy to receive honor, blessing and honor and glory and power. They may have sang, hallelujah, be unto the Lord our God. But there's one song they can't sing. Sweet is the song I'm singing today. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. How, how do I know that? Because I'm redeemed by blood divine. Glory, glory. Christ is mine. All to him. I now reside. I give it up. I resign it. It's yours, God. For I have been, I have been redeemed. See, the angels can all day long say their words and what they want to say. Sure they can. They can sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. That's great. It's wonderful. But what they can't sing is precious indeed. Is my Savior. Because Jesus didn't have to save the angels. They were created. They didn't get a vote. We did. So they can say all they want. They worthy is the lamb. But they can't stand before the throne and look at Jesus in the eyes. With all the scores of others of us that will be in heaven. And look to Jesus and say precious indeed. Is my savior to me. For I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. For now happy in glory. Someday I shall be. For I have been. I have been redeemed. You see, there's been great joy. See, the angels can't say that because they haven't walked a journey. They've been in heaven. They don't know troubles. They don't know trials. They don't know situations like we know. But we can say, but great is the joy. Has onward I go, for I've been redeemed. I'm redeemed all the way homeward. My praises shall flow. 
Because I've been, I have been redeemed. You say, I sweet, sweet is the song. Why? Because trouble and sorrows, they've now vanished away. See, the devil all day long, he can bring the accuser of the brethren all he wants to. And the angels can sing whatever they want to. But as one songwriter so eloquently put it and placed it, he said, I am redeemed. I've been bought with a price. For Jesus has changed my whole life. And if anybody should ask you just who I am, you go ahead and tell the devil. You go ahead and tell the enemy of your soul. You go tell hell. You go tell hell to go back to hell from which it came from. You tell every demon, every imp, you tell them, who asks? If anybody asks you, including the devil, just who you are, you don't tell them you're Randy Erchberger. You don't tell them you're Wayne Studemeyer. You don't tell them you're Rocky Robinson. You don't tell them you're Primo and Nell Amez. You don't tell them you're Jimmy Villanueva. When the devil asks you who you think you are, you said, I am redeemed. I'm redeemed. What's your name? Redeemed. I thought your name was Jonathan. It was on earth, but in heaven, I've got a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Yes, it's mine. Once it is, my name is redeemed. My name is redeemed. My name is redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, my birth parents named me Jonathan, but heaven named me a child of God. Heaven named me redeemed. There's a new name written down in glory. All things pass away, and behold, all things become new. My name is redeemed by Jesus Christ. Creation worshipped him. Miss Carol, as you come. At his birth, shepherds and wise men worshipped him. At his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, throngs of people waved palm branches declaring, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When he resurrected, Mary grabs the foot of his cloak of his and bows before him and worships him in his glorified state. But one day, I'm glad that all those people got to wave palm branches. That's cool. I'm glad Adam and Eve got to walk with Jesus in the glory of God in the cool of the day. That's cool. I'm glad that shepherds and wise men got to worship him in his birth. That's cool. But they can only worship for what they know. But see, nobody in heaven can worship Jesus like I worship him because nobody in heaven has walked where I've walked with Jesus. So when I get to heaven, I don't care that Peter, James, and John, and Adam, and Eve, and everybody else has worshipped him. I'm not going to be rude, but I'm going to look at Brother Adam and say, you've been here long enough, don't you think? Get out of the way. My turn. You don't have to wait. I don't care how many angels are singing. Michael, you sound, you know, Gabriel, you're playing beautifully. Michael, you look as fierce as the day you were created. Get out the way. It's my turn. Oh, Paul, you wrote some good words of wisdom to us. You've been here long enough. Get out of my way. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Great guys. Cool stories. Get out of my way. Because now it's my turn. To tell God. How much I love him. See the reality of it is. A.W. Tozer said this, worship, what is worship? 
Worship is to feel your heart in your heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but a delightful sense of admiring awe and astonishing wonder, overpowered by love in the presence of the most mysterious and majestical philosopher of all time, our Father who art in heaven. Warren Wiersbe said, true biblical worship so satisfies our total personality that we don't have to shop around for man-made substitutes. William Temple says, for worship is the submission of all our nature to God and the quickening conscience of His holiness, the nourishment of mind and His truth, the purifying of imagination by His beauty, the opening of heart by His love, the surrender of will by His purpose, and all of this gathered up in admiration to the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable and therefore the chief remedy of our self-centeredness, which our original sin and source of all sin comes. John painted a picture so eloquently in his apocalyptic book. But nothing will do it justice like being there. You can read it, but it ain't the same as being there. We can try to fathom it all we want to, but we just can't fathom the mysteries of heaven until we see them for ourselves with our eyes. We can imagine the songs the angels sing, but we can't really appreciate it because we haven't got there to join the chorus. See, what I love about my life and your life is that for some reason God called all of us home at the same exact time today all of us when sister Tina walks before God and she begins to give her praise I can't really put a price tag on that because I don't know what she's been through through her whole life I'm not going to be brother Wayne like Judas with the woman bringing the alabaster box and make the accusation golly do you know how much money that could have been sold for I don't know the cost of what it meant to her. Whether Miss Tina stays there 10 minutes or she stays there for 10,000s of years. <clears throat> Whenever she decides to get up. If I'm the next in line, while I love the fact she worshiped the Lord. She can't worship the Lord like I worship the Lord because she hasn't been where I've been either. And my brother Mike follows me after I get done. He won't be able to do the same I did because his will be from his own accord because it'll be different. Well, I'm excited to hear what the angels are doing. I'm excited to walk streets of gold. That's all great. Nobody can do justice to my worship like me. Like me. Nobody can replicate me. Thank God. Lots of ways. See, because here's my philosophy. Miss Carol, what key are you? Are you in C? A flat? Yeah, can you go to A flat for me? Here's why. This is why I believe this with all my heart. Because falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing. I've ever done. 
can, you can play. I just want to sing that chorus, whatever song you had playing is fine. You know what? That was the best thing I've ever done. Now, Brother Wayne, the second best thing I ever done was getting married to this beautiful lady over here. That was the second best. And I love her to death, but that wasn't the best thing I've ever done. I'm sorry. I'll buy your lunch. I apologize in advance. But you're not the best thing I've ever done. Having a blonde hair, blue-eyed would have survived any, any, any course of history. The perfect child in terms of looks, blonde hair, blue eyes. Seven-year-old little boy that is somewhere in Berkeley County today. Causing trouble somewhere, I'm sure. Giving his children's church teachers probably a hard time telling them what Bible story they didn't tell, right? Because he'll tell me sometimes, Daddy, I, did you sure you told that story right at church on Sunday? Yes, son. Are you sure? I read my Bible this week, I promise. And seven-year-old, blonde-head, blue-eyed, well, I love him to death. That's not the best thing I've ever done. While I love being a high school basketball coach and I've won state championship, cut down nets, and got rings to prove it. Great accomplishment. But that wasn't the best thing I've ever done. Getting the phone call in the middle of a 102 degree day on a Wednesday afternoon at Church of God Youth Camp, repping a basketball game on black tar asphalt in the dead sun with no, sun, with no shade from the state office, the principal's office of the Church of God, summoning me there, to, I thought to tell me I was doomed because I did something dumb at the basketball court to tell me, you're moving. I was like, to where? Going to Monster, South Carolina pastor. Says who? Well, they voted. I didn't even say yes yet. Yeah, but you got to vote. Well, that's great. Do I get to vote? <laughs> even pulling up the U-Haul, unloading the office for the last four plus years, delightfully walking in joyous times with you, disastrous times with you, tragic times with you, hospitals with the untimely passing of a loved one, celebrating the birth of a child or a grandchild, dedicating your loved one's babies. That still ain't the best thing I've ever done. As much as I love being here, somebody asked me today, when do you plan on leaving? I said, in a casket. That's how I'm leaving here. They said, no, I'm talking about your church. I said, yeah, in a casket. That's how I plan on leaving here. They said, no, no, I meant like... I said, I don't think you understand. Like, I said, yeah, I don't think they're going to roll me right here. They're going to plant me right here. And then if they want to stuff me, they can stuff me up front and put bulletins in my hand and let me stay every Sunday and just pass out bulletins. I'm, I'm, sta I'm not going. So why are you going? I said, because my wife has a job here. My kid lives here. My wife's family's here. And quite frankly, I hate packing. It's too expensive. The housing market is expensive. While being here has been a pleasure, it's not the best thing I've ever done. The best thing I ever did was falling in love with Jesus. You say, I was kind of wondering how the pastor was going to turn the post-Valentine's Day type celebration and the message about the seals and how we were going to break seals because Jesus loved me enough to find me when I didn't even know what I was looking for. Thank God I wasn't stupid enough but to run for so long, Brother Wayne, until I realized this is a bad idea. I should just give my life to him. And the best thing I did was say, okay, here I am, God. I'm not running anymore. I'm not hiding anymore. Here I am. Best decision I made. And because I did that, now I get to go to heaven and sing that I'm redeemed. By blood divine, I'm, I'm redeemed. If anybody asks you who I am, I'm redeemed. Anybody wants to know, anybody, 
I'll shake off these heavy chains. I'll lift up holy hands. I will, I will, I am redeemed. Redeemed. Nothing to hold me back. Look, I don't care if you roller skate through heaven. I don't care if you fly on a jet straight through heaven. I don't care if you barely get by. Peter shutting the gates and you kind of slide in by his coattail and hurry up before he locks the door. I don't care how you get in the gate. I just want you to get in the gate. Look, that's going to get me in trouble when I say this. In Texas, they might can jump borders, but you can't jump heaven's gates. When the gate shuts, you can't get in. There's no other way in. Jesus said, I am the way, the true light. I am the doorway. The only way in is through me. You can't get in any other way. And I look at Simon Peter and I give him my name. He might see Jonathan Vaughn, but Larry, what he needs to see beside it, he needs to see that Jesus Christ took his John Hancock in blood and wrote redeemed beside my name so that Peter said, oh yeah, Jesus spoke on your behalf. Come on in, son. It's like going to a good restaurant. You can go all day long. You can go, you can... You can want to go to a five-star restaurant and go up there and pull up there at 5 o'clock at night on a Friday night and say, you know what, my wife and I want to eat here. And they can say, well, we got an hour-plus wait. Did you make a reservation? And you can say, no, I'm not, but I'm the pastor of Santee Circle Church of God. And they say, that's great. You still have an hour and a half wait. That means nothing. You know why? Because I had to make a reservation. If I walk up there, but there are places that takes reservations, and I walk up there, I'll say, hi, my name's Jonathan Munn. I called and made a reservation for a party of two. No, they're going to say, yes, sir, your table. Now ready. Heaven is going to have a banquet hall spread of a table of the marriage supper of the Lamb. But it's by invite only. And you better make sure you put got an invitation, number one. And you better make sure that you RSVP. You made sure to reserve your seat at the table. So here's what I want to challenge you today, and then we're going to pray. Obviously, we'll always pray for those that, in just a moment, if they haven't received Jesus as Lord of their life. Next week, we will start the journey of what were the seals he broke. I'm going to preface next week by saying this. They're not pleasant ones. All the seals broken weren't loving in terms of, oh, God's just going to rain down blessings from heaven and fill our vats over to flowing. Some of them were judgments. I'm telling you today that though God is loving today, next Sunday morning you're going to hear that God also is a judge and he only puts up with things but for so long before he is done. And when he's done, he's done. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask this question. The first question I want to ask today is this. Is there a man, woman, boy, or girl under the sound of my voice today that would say, Pastor... Jesus Christ should call me home right now. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. But I don't want to leave this place with uncertainty in my heart. I don't want to miss heaven. Jesus Christ, if he called me today. With nobody looking around, I'm going to ask you to just slip up your hand so that this pastor can pray with you today. Say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. If I died today, I probably would end up separated from eternity from God and go to hell. Everybody's hands. No one looking around. The final question is this. 
I want to ask you, I'm not going to bring you up front and embarrass you today. But I wonder if anybody would say today, Pastor, in my life, it's not always been what I thought it would be. I've I had a dream. I had a, a, a plan. It didn't go the way I mapped it out. But I want to be prayed, you to pray for me that I hold strong to the end. So that when my time comes to stand before the throne room of God, I can praise Him for the good. And I can praise Him for getting me through the bad. And I just want to be counted faithful to the end. You say, Pastor, will you pray that prayer for me today? Will you just slip up your hand? No one looking around but me and Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you. Some days have been good. I see those hands. God bless you. I know there are some of you in this room along with this pastor. Some days haven't been so good. But God, I thank you for the good times. I praise you for the good times. I praise you for the mountains. When I get to heaven, God, I'm going to lay at your feet and I'm going to praise you for getting me through the valleys. And not abandoning me, not leaving me, don't forsake me, walking me through the bad times. That's when I needed you most. Eternal Father, I have seen every hand that's been lifted in this house today. I've seen the hurts and the hang-ups and the heartbeats of people today. Father, there are men and women in this house. God, they have had good days. They've had struggles. God, I pray a prayer of faithfulness over this body that one day, whether it's in the near future or in the distant future. One day, God, they make it inside the gate. Not on the outside, they make it inside the gate. They get the opportunity to lay at your feet and they get to thank you for the good, the bad, and all the in-between. I pray today, God, you would let them walk out of this place encouraged that the devil may have tried to ruin it, God's going to finish it. The devil may have tried to destroy it, but God's going to resurrect it. The devil may have tried to break it, but God's going to fix it. The devil may have tried to annihilate it, but God's going to bring it back to life again. No matter what the enemy of our soul does, I want these people today to be reminded that he who began the work is faithful to complete what he starts. Now, Father, with all my heart, I have done my best today to preach your word. I know it may not have been a, a, a shouting, running the aisles message, but God, I believe that your, your word still is true. There are times in our lives God, that we need to be reminded of things that are tough. Things that are difficult. Father, today I pray that you would bless us and you'd keep us. You'd make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us and give us the peace that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts until you come again. May the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and redeemer. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Man, before, before Brother Mike King plays our benedictory prayer, I just wanted to introduce you to Matthew. There's baby Matthew. He's eight pounds, nine ounces.
20 inches long. He's about the size of one. He's, he's, he's almost starting college. He's, he's healthy. Came out and he was he was ready to he was ready to roll. Was, I don't know who the nursery workers are, but y'all guys probably should start pumping weights. They're coming in big. I mean, go ahead and start with ten pound weights and start working out. They're coming in they're coming in heavy. But uh, he's healthy. He's sleeping, as you can tell. Not a care in the world. Doesn't doesn't care. Feed me, change me, and leave me alone. It's about all he wants. And uh, but but uh, Brett and Vanessa wanted they couldn't be here today, but they wanted us to meet baby Matthew and so I let them know that we would we would introduce you to baby Matthew continue to pray for Andrew's little boy uh, baby Levi he is growing he is strong he is healthy but he doesn't like to sleep <laughs> God is so wonderful isn't he um, <clears throat> couldn't be a finer father for that to happen to uh, but that being said we want to pray that Andrew and Taylor can get plenty of rest uh, with with their baby and uh, if you pray that prayer on me, should the time come I ever have children again, I will excommunicate you and remove your membership from the church. <laughs> so, but, uh, but no, we want to continue to pray for them as well. They're doing well, and they send their love as well. Let's stand all over the house today. Brother Mike's going to close this out in prayer. Thank you for being here today. I know you could have been anywhere today. Thank you for being here. Oh, I did forget. Senior breakfast is this Saturday. I did forget that. We're going to ask to do kind of what we've done in the past. We're going to ask you just to bring something. Doesn't have to be whatever. There's a sign-up sheet in the Connection Center. Whether you bring something or not, if you're planning on coming, please just sign up so we know how much to prepare. We'll, we'll have food whether you sign up or not. But I mean, whether you bring something or not. But we just need to know how 20, 15. So if you're planning on coming at all, it'll be Saturday at 8.30. But we're doing it here, right here in the fellowship hall. We're going to do it at church. If you want to bring cinnamon rolls or sausage or hash brown casserole or whatever, just sign up and let us know. Uh, or if you just want to come and eat, it's free. It's cheaper than Little Pappies. Uh, so come do that as well. And on Sunday... Is snack night, so don't forget that Sunday night is the last Sunday of the month. We always do on the last Sunday night snack night. Same thing, it's just going to be um, uh, uh, a smorgasbord of stuff. And uh, and then on the first Sunday of, of March, uh, which is the third, I believe, we're hosting a CLM graduation. So CLM is going to help with the food aspects, and we're not going to be stressed out about that. Uh, but that Sunday night, we will have uh, CLM graduation. Uh, Kelly, I believe, is going to be graduating with us. Uh, on that night, so we want to make sure that you're a part of that as well. If you've never seen a CLM graduation, you should come. It's quite impressive and powerful to experience. That being said, uh, enjoy your lunch today. Don't forget tonight, 6 p.m. is going to be our continuation of the Tabernacle series. Brother Mike's going to close us out in prayer, and uh, then you're dismissed. God bless you.